hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. was asked to give her give an online review of something of somebody of some so their service oh, oh and okay. in real life they said in real life they said website. they said please give me a review yeah give me a review they said, please give me a review like their business like i was you know it was the contractor for my house and mm-hmm. um i realized what i was thinking about like what i was going to give this review that we, we, we we've entered a realm where if if you think about 3.0 stars three out of five mm-hmm. 3.0 out yes. of five as zero and you think of five out of five as 10 yeah then we basically are we basically have a sliding 20 point scale with point fives. yeah as and i think that it's fairly accurate like to say that a 4.0 star if you saw that on google google maps you're like yeah mm-hmm. it's basically a five out of ten like it's you're gonna have a fine time like perfect mm-hmm. perfectly average like if you see a 4.2 stars that's like a 6 out of 10 and you're like yeah we're, we're doing well here but if you got up to like 4.8 that's a that's a 9 on our scale and mm. it's like we're doing we're doing good here like this is mm-hmm. this is it okay i basically the four on the front does not matter if it is right for a lot of things i, I feel that for food the, establishments basically if except it's below for well-known four ones. yeah if it's below four we don't go there <laughs> i feel like there's not a single mcdonald's in the country that has a four or above no, <laughs> Every single McDonald's is like 3.2. They're always bad, but everyone goes there because it's McDonald's, and everyone goes, "Well, are you going to review you McDonald's? Would, yeah, really? <laughs> what are you, you going to do? Go getting. online and review McDonald's? Yeah. So this is for a person. This is for like their business, like their business. It wasn't uh, like okay. For so the, it wasn't like them as a human on this earth. It was, you know, I'm was, gonna. Hey, can I just call my shot like Babe Ruth? Was it a contractor? Yeah. Was it a specifically? <laughs> <laughs> Because I feel like that is a very, like, home remodeling or, like, landscaping mm-hmm. company kind of thing to do. A, it's Joe's uh, <laughs> Joe's Cutting Grass. That's the name of my business, Joe's Cutting Grass, and I'm Joe. Right. Can you say, I love Joe? So it wasn't even, it was... And give me a five hours. Review. It was it was phrased in the most contractor way possible, which was, mm-hmm. so you're going to give me a five-star review or what? <laughs> <laughs> what? And, and that, but the thing is, the or what is n- not even a threat. Like I don't. What, it's what nothing. Do do? It's nothing. The money has already yeah. changed hands. It's not. It's not a threat. It's just you know. It's become part of the like quid pro quo. Like right. what is? <laughs> I already paid you for it. What do like, you mean? You I have to you give didn't you a give good me review. a discount based on my review or anything. So I'm not obligated to say it. <laughs> not that no. that would be a good tactic for getting positive reviews. But you know, I think as far as contractors go, this person did deserve five stars so i gave them five stars mm, but not out okay. of a, not out of a pure pressure just because you know i thought i thought they did a good job i have to say for reviews i rely on them so heavily and boy oh boy i don't 
put no i, I don't, don't contribute no i use, <laughs> I I use an alternate google account that doesn't have my real name tied to it and i think i've left two reviews ever mm, yeah that's <laughs> so I, I would... if someone asked me to give a review i'm like i don't know does it have my real name attached because <laughs> it's it's work and it's I don't, like i don't know it, i don't want to put my name on like right. man i really like paper towels like <laughs> bounty is great because i was getting paid for what it, a bounty sure. just goes and, and it does something terrible and then uh, <laughs> oh you're you're afraid to give this your stamp of approval because it might besmirch mm, your good name i might get canceled yeah, because of get my canceled. association with bounty that he gave a five-star review to pantene and now it's killing all of the whales Oh no, my cat just threw up a watery throw up and it absorbed it good. That's why. Oh, no. That's why the five. Oh, come on, man. But you know what? In Segment City, it's always five stars. Every single one of our restaurants, every single business, because we also have very liberal gun policies and our police don't do anything. Oh, no. So there's a lot of <laughs> holding people hostage until they physically give you oh, a good okay. review. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Will Kane, and I have the best social credit score of anyone in the nation. And I'm Theo Sapakos, and are you giving me five stars or what? <laughs> That's also a very Boston thing of like, <laughs> hey, come on. You scratch my back. I don't do nothing I don't you. do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a podcast in which Theo and I, we just talk about contractors all day, every day. It's what we love to do. More than anything, yeah. I love thinking about contractors, talking to contractors, that's what we're here for yeah yeah uh no there's a podcast in which theo and i dumpster dive our way through the internet Ooh, we get those good morsels and we package them into segments for you for me uh for you uh this is a this is kind of a will stupid thought but this is kind of really it's just kind of related to stuff that i've been reading i've been reading a book about uh victorian london mm-hmm. and there's one i got to a section that was about uh s- s- like selling stuff like business mm-hmm. one there's hawking, a, a, hawking i didn't your wares yeah i didn't know this there's an entire cattle market in the center of london huh. that everyone was like w- everyone hates this literally nobody <laughs> likes this and then there's like the corporation of london like <laughs> the city of london and they're just like but it makes us fat stacks so it makes us no. so much money so we're keeping it and th- and then they had to have the like get rid of Smithfield Act, like it was specifically <laughs> called like the remove the Smithfield Act, um, to get rid of that. But it, it, I was reading the thing, and so they had like you know markets every like neighborhood markets, things that you would kind of expect. But they also had uh, street sellers, so hmm. people who would go on the street and they'd go. Those it wasn't just like newspaper boys; like they would be like extra extra newspaper, get the Times. But there would also be like an old woman who's like, get your potatoes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then somebody was like, boots, get your boots. And that's, uh-huh. to me, hey, that cut, is the get old. your hair cut. Yeah, yeah, just some guy, no credibility whatsoever. It is the original side hustle. This yeah. is like, people talk about side hustle now. Side hustle is literally baked into <laughs> like mm. the origins of modern day capitalism because mm. it was because it, like the poorest of the poor, they did. They weren't doing good and they would try they to like whatever, sell stuff whenever they had to to get that dollar. Th- th- and the, the names they would have, they'd be like, that's a scrounger. 
he scrounges for nails. <laughs> like they, that one's a trend tr- trundler. He trundles like out to do field work. Like <laughs> they had names for all the different types of poor people, but they also hated poor people <laughs> in the that slums. one's a teether. He steals people's teeth because they're valuable. But could my question to you mm-hmm. is, what would some of the things that if there were street sellers in Boston today mm-hmm. or in any major city, what do you think it would be like? And what do, what do you think, think people be, would sell? What do I think? Because it would be like a baseball are... game constantly. It would just be <laughs> <laughs> like it would be people being like hot dogs here, like constantly. You know what would do well in cold winters of Massachusetts mm. and with all the Irish people? Baked potato, side of the street. Get your baked potato. Come on, it's hot. Come and get it. It's a dollar. You're joking, but this is... I, oh, I'm actually on board. <laughs> I was going to do some I joke was kind of, and we got I was right kind of joking, and then I started doing it, and I was like, you know what? If I saw a dollar baked potato on the side of the street, I think I'd stop and get one. Yeah, it, it depends on the, like, if it was somebody that... It, we live in a world where it's reputable. Like, where there's where it's not vendors. a weird dude, yeah. Yeah, because, like, in our modern world, I don't think I would trust street food. I tr- trust, like, trucks. Like, sure. the, even those are, can sometimes be a little bit... Ugh. But like, yeah, baked potato, I feel like is relatively safe. I don't know I also, how you it's fuck It's one of it those up. things where like, how expensive could you go with a baked potato? Like, I feel like oh, avoc- you get avocado toast really got co-opted by by making it like $12 for a piece of toast. Like, what are we mm-hmm. doing? I want a dollar baked potato. Baked, baked potato. I, don't, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need like, a, you know, an $8 baked potato. I don't need any of that. Mm. You know? Yeah. They, they also had like things like penny loafs. Is something I keep on reading, which it, I feel like if a penny loaf was in Boston, it would just be like an old hot dog from Fenway Park that they <laughs> like put into a buy or something. Yeah. It would be disgusting. It would be like a cake made out of dumpster dived uh, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I was going to say, if, if we still acted like it was Victorian England, there would 100% be the Dunkin's man. Uh-huh. Absolutely. There would be like it would be the donkey's man who would come to your door and he'd go, knock, 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 you want some hot Joe? And you'd go, Is it only okay? And he goes, Of course. Of and you go, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> of course you get it. Uh, well, how's your donuts? And he goes, stale as ever, and you would go, Perfect. <laughs> Thank how, you, Duncan's how warm man. is it? Lukewarm at best. That's it. Uh, that was all only because of our body warmth. It's, dude. Either, it's, bo- not- <laughs> it's either lukewarm or boiling hot. There's no <laughs> in between. <laughs> That's I feel like that would be a good business. There were like coffee people like that, but it would, I yeah, I feel like I could do with the coffee stand. I don't gotta go to a Starbucks every time. Hmm. I know there's there there that. are some institution institutional guys like there was uh the guy who sat outside of TD Garden for years and sold the LeBron sucks T-shirts that was good <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was nice <laughs> that was I feel like this is a little bit more of a uh happens maybe more in Europe maybe it was only in major cities but like in Paris I remember there was like street vendor or like people who just laid out like a towel like a towel yeah and they the just road, had yeah. like jewelry like and they're like, or stuff eh, like that. Yeah. yeah come over here I was and in Europe like, and I saw you. people looking at those recently and I was like you guys you guys must know that these are all fake right is that the appeal yeah. is that the is that the is that what you're going for Annie and I went to Copenhagen and there was like the most weird small like it was in a little square but it was a little thrift market that had kind of cool stuff like it was pictures and old like frames and like old antique stuff 
but it was like three tables and they were kind of near the street, but there's also in a giant square behind them. And it was very eerie. <laughs> like, hmm, did, did you get official? Is this official? <laughs> like, oh, are you, are you guys setting up? This is but, posting up here. But anyway, in, in Segment City, the street vendors, they only hand out other segments. <laughs> I thought like you were going to say the, the street segment. vendors only hand out other street vendors. And so it <laughs> never ends. Here get them, get them. Get your street vendors here. $5. <laughs> it's the perfect I'll take, pyramid. I'll perfect, take three. <laughs> perfect pyramid scheme. <laughs> well, for Actually, my, I would take huh? four. Because so they, they could each get a limb and carry me. Oh, you want to be mm. carried like a like a high society boy. You think you can buy your way to the top. Yeah, but I didn't. I wasted all my money on all four boys, so they have to carry me by hand. Like they don't have a palaquin or anything. <laughs> Can we get some <laughs> shoes? No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm just laying on my back, and it's like bumpy and stuff. <laughs> Beats walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see I'll some guy boys for a penny. <laughs> some guy's getting dragged along by his ankles. He could only afford two boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's terrible to live in a society <laughs> like this. <laughs> if only I'll, you know what it's. <laughs> I could look up to him both metaphorically and physically, so that one day I could have four boys to carry me. That's the dream, the capitalist dream, really. It is. You know what else is the capitalist dream? It's my next segment coming to you oh. from the takeout, and it's called. Cancel your Disney plans. Indiana's building a gravy-themed coaster. Come Whoa. on! Let's go for a ride. <laughs> Whoa! Wait, hold on. Is it that? It kind of sounds like Indi- Indiana itself. Indiana, just in the middle of the woods. <laughs> I, There's just this, or is it part of a park? Is this public funds? I have no idea. We're gonna get into it. Okay. Article starts, divert your flight to Denver because we don't need to travel all the way to Casa Bonita for a, an experience to experience <laughs> a themed food adventure anymore. All we need is to take a drive to Santa Santa Claus, Indiana, population 2,586. No, no, no. no um, hey, hey, Theo. Yep. yep. I, the floor is yours. Can I, can I just, uh, hmm, do I want to offend the people of Indiana? Well, there's only 2,586 of these people that live in Santa Claus, Indiana, so I feel like we could take them. They are so dumb Mm -hmm. that their town is literally called fucking Santa Claus, and they didn't make a Santa Claus-themed roller coaster, and And they went with gravy? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's your favorite Uh, holiday around here in Santa Claus, Indiana? Well, we like Thanksgiving around here. uh, It's pretty good. uh, I like the one with the gravy. (laughs) Imagine gravy boats, but it's actual boats. Uh, You ever heard of a gravy river? It's like a real lazy river, but it's a gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, I've never heard anyone say that. Have you been hit in the head (laughs) by as a child? (laughs) Are you okay? I, yeah, what a name. Uh, the all you need to do is to take a drive to Santa Claus, Indiana, and patiently wait outside the gates of Holiday World for the upcoming, <laughs> upcoming unveiling of a new Thanksgiving-themed roller coaster oh dedicated God, entirely a- to gravy. May 2024 can't come soon enough. I would like to apologize to the inhabitants of Indiana because oh, I didn't know you had a whole ho- holiday-themed. <laughs> 
and that this was this that did add oh, a lot of man. context. I should have waited for context, but yeah, this is the, the world that we live in. You got to jump to the to the point. The you got to really. You got you got to get it nuked. You're going to get totally canceled, wiped out for that for that previous statement. Yeah. People are going to take the all context, the people you in, know. All the people in Indiana, once they get the internet, will come for us Ooh. and they'll really <laughs> obliterate us. Local NBC affiliate 14 News reports that the f- new family coaster, Good Gravy. Will be debuting at Holiday World and Splash and Safari Park theme park next year. It will be housed appropriately. Splash <laughs> Safari. Oh yeah, the Safari of Indiana. Uh huh. Yeah, the, all the. Oh yes, we have so many great exotic beasts here, <laughs> I don't, including the woodchuck. <laughs> I don't think you can mention gravy and the name Splash and Safari in the same sentence. It doesn't evoke yeah. a particularly nice image. It makes me think of like. Nickelodeon uh, contest shows. Sure. Like, it's, <laughs> it's getting splattered. Yeah. Uh, the story behind the ride is that you have to race against time to help grandma make her famous gravy and save Thanksgiving dinner. Here's how 14 News describes the 1,500-foot-long coaster experience sharing details gleaned from a Holiday World press release. Quote, Officials say guests will board a train shaped like a giant gravy boat, which will be pulled backwards uphill before flying forwards through the station onto cranberry-colored track, hitting a maximum speed of 37 miles per hour. The train will fly it's, through a it's giant... It's a faster roller coasters? No. I don't know. No. They have coasters <laughs> that go like 150. Okay. That was about, <laughs> I'm like, was this a conversion issue in my head? I'm like, maybe 35 feels very fast. Maybe if I transfer into metric and then back out of metric it'll be ha- more fast is that how that the, works for a wooden coaster yes that would probably be fast for What's... a <laughs> cranberry coaster right. yeah any know. any speed on a wooden coaster it's too fast because you feel like it's gonna fall apart because if you go more than five miles per hour it starts like shaking, shaking and stuff rattling. And you, go, like, you just become scared for a different reason yeah uh, the train will fly through a giant cranberry jelly can before narrowly avoiding <laughs> giant kitchen accoutrement such as a 20 foot tall whisk and an 18 foot tall rolling pin before flying up a 77 foot tall spike and repeating the journey backwards spoilers oh spoilers oh sorry i didn't know that i was spoiling anything i mean come <laughs> on for the plot i gotta help granny because she's oh my god apparently she needs help she needs help with the cranberry cans I'm she's not even making her own the imagination or open to interpretation by the audience you know i just no. had to go ahead and ruin it yeah i wanted to go here just to exp- i wanted to know what it was about but now that you've robbed me of that i'm gonna yeah. have to save my money oh can't man. believe you take that granny guess you're going homeless Ugh. Lest any seasoned theme park fans start worrying preemptively about delays, construction on the coaster has already begun, with 14 News noting that the tracks are scheduled to arrive this November. Here's how Hollywood World... Ex- uh, they have a video. I'm not going to play the video. Good. <laughs> it's uh, an audio probably, medium. It, yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, and I don't want to hear them be like, come <laughs> to Thanksgiving World. <laughs> what if it was like a hypnosis thing where they're like, you want to come and be on a roller coaster and pay us money <laughs> there's so much to love about these renderings they have renderings they have like a mock-up oh. video the decorative renderings. curvature <laughs> of the gravy boat spout at the head of the vehicle ride the detailed marketing copy on the cranberry jelly can that forms a giant tube which the car through which the cars hurdle the way the giant whisk and bottle of cream form sculptures to be enjoyed by riders of the coaster as well as passerby i mean it feels like they're missing the missing mashed potatoes and turkey seem like the 
the main if you have you an, an entire ride that's yeah. based on thanksgiving and you don't have all the thanksgiving uh dishes no yeah because like fuck you you know gravy, fuck you <laughs> gravy isn't a thing that can be enjoyed on its own so you need... Ooh, you're speaking for yourself there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> man. All of Indiana just got mad at you me for saying that. You don't know what the economy of Indiana is right now. <laughs> what foodstuffs that they're ingesting or I ingest. So I've been on tough times and I go on a gravy diet. <laughs> you go on a gravy diet? Like a gravy cleanse? <laughs> <laughs> a, gra- a gravy diet is is the broth diet except like i i'm not it's not a diet it's a full fat <laughs> kind of experience the owensboro times reports the new coaster which will reportedly cost 10 million dollars is designed 10 million a, i don't know if that's cheap or not for a roller coaster i have no frame of reference mm, yeah i mean this is uh, yeah i don't know i don't know it can feed a lot of grannies for 10 million dollars that's all i'm saying <laughs> okay <laughs> It's designed to appeal to the whole family, just like Thanksgiving dinner. Kids over 38 inches tall can ride the ride. It's intended to be a smooth track experience for older people who'd like to join the fun, too. Which I love that quote because it implies that somewhere a roller coaster designer is being like, and this is my roughest track ever. Fuck old people. (laughs) Fuck the little kids. This one's going to break your spine open. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love... The sound of screaming on my rides. <laughs> Not happy screaming, pain screaming. This one's called the spine breaker. Quote, I we, we took detail, every detail seriously, said owner Lauren Crosby. <laughs> we added stroller parking and a play area for kids who aren't quite big enough to ride the ride yet. And benches with shade for family members who prefer to watch. The best detail is the, the queue building is air-conditioned. And themed elaborately to Thanksgiving at Grandma's house. Okay, this actually, I thought they were going to be like, we took this very seriously. There's yeah. lore. There's an entire <laughs> like style guide to how Granny uh-huh. should be uh, depicted in media. And, the, uh, and uh, yeah, we made sure that everything was airtight. But it was all, it was like nice things. <laughs> it's she like, was like, we made sure so we stroller parking. Here's our Bible. We only use this shade for brown ever mm. because it's thematically consistent. If we break that the whole world shatters the whole the whole universe we've built for the whole mm. for the rider just shatters there's nothing we can do to repair that for some reason i imagined because <laughs> you handing a bible to somebody as they're getting on the ride and you're like so there's no actual straps you're gonna have to use the power of jesus to <laughs> yeah. really hold yourself on but don't worry you're only going 37 miles per hour so yeah we're good i guess <laughs> i think we're probably fine that's all the news i've got you for you for gravy coaster Guess we can tune back in in May and figure out how it went. Ooh, Gravy Watch 2023. Gravy. <laughs> We're going to have to see how this roller coaster winds its way into our lives and our hearts. I but bet anyway. It, I bet it's going to. But it's going to be sitting right there. You know what uh, also is capitalism? What's that? My next segment. Mm. Which is, uh, I'm going to say, <laughs> this is... Not going to be very nice for you to hear, and probably for the audience to hear, but my segments this week are a little bit of a bummer. No. Just a little bit. This one's a little bit less of a bummer. The next one is uh, a little... <laughs> the next segment I have is probably <laughs> the, a little bit more especially of a bummer. The bummer part about this is I have to sit through a bummer now, and then I have to sit through a bummer later when I edit a this episode. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so true. I have to do a double bummer. <laughs> 
but uh, okay so this is i guess this is in the news this is from vanity fair this i don't know how to this right. is like <laughs> hey would you like to hear some bad history mm-hmm. uh this is a vanity fair article by julie miller from august 23rd 2019 the wizard of oz five appalling onset stories hmm do you know anything about the the production of the wizard of oz no i don't i mean i just know that it was early days movie making Mm, it came out in the 30s and it was i think it was one of the first technicolor yeah movies very popular for that and it's still a beloved classic but it also was made in the 1930s where they're just like all right he got his leg cut off we'll get a new man <laughs> like <laughs> they just didn't care so let's let's just look into how that kind of worked Today, Hollywood has the special effects to launch Brad Pitt into space, the sophisticated safety standards to minimize harm on set, and finally, the motivation to push for more quality in front of and behind the camera. I like that they're they're starting off this strong, even though, like, last year, Alec Baldwin shot and killed a man. Yeah, this is very ironic. We were still not out of the (laughs) woods. This is 2019. They didn't know anything. Yeah. They're like, we're in the writer strike right now, so this is like, especially, like, equality for everyone. It's like, they tried to do that, and then they said, fuck you. So... Uh, but in 1939, when The Wizard of Oz was being filmed at MGM, the industry was a much more primitive place. And I'm going to agree with them there because mm, some of the stuff that. that they did is insane. Uh, according to Aljean, Aljean Harmetz's fascinating 1977 book, The Making of the Wizard of Oz, Frank Morgan, the actor playing the title character, came to scent with a mini bar in his briefcase. Hmm. Interesting. So the titular Wizard of Oz is like, do 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 do. Who wants to get absolutely hosed on set? Morning, Dorothy. Morning, Toto. Yes, this <laughs> is like, just regular coffee. Don't ask any more questions. Every time you ask me to do another take, I take another shot. <laughs> Every wish is one drink. <laughs> of the film's 10 main cast members, 16-year-old star Julie Garland got the second lowest salary making more than only her canine companion, Terry, who played Toto. Are you kidding me? That's some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, Judy Garland is an entire other can of worms because she did not turn up proper. Like, she didn't, this, it really fucked her up. (laughs) So, but the the article doesn't really get into that. It's more of the things that specifically happened on set, and boy, oh boy, there's a lot. Uh, And myriad injuries and miseries were suffered to set that, uh, on set that sound, frankly, horrifying in light of modern technology and hr policies so in honor of the film's 80th anniversary let's take a look before the days of synthetic fur there was only one option for making an authentic looking lion costume so the uh is it real fur? using hmm? is it real fur it's real fur. it's real lion fur <laughs> for the cowardly lions uh outfit because of continuity concerns and the fact that it was impossible to find duplicate lion hides with identical colorations of patterns, cowardly lion actor Bert Lahr, um, Bert Lahr? Yeah, I guess that's how it's, L-A-H-R, wore one costume primarily through filming. He only had one costume. <laughs> he only had one? And given the costume's weight and the fact that Lahr was filming under intensely hot Technicolor lights that had even lesser costume actors fainting and being carried off set, according to cinematographer Harold Rosen, the actor thoroughly sweated through his costume each day. So much so that the uh, costume had to be put into an industrial drying bin each night to dry the perspiration, which is so gross. That's disgusting. Because imagine like... 
like the crack it would make oh. at the end, like the next day. Even so, the costume sold at auction in 2014 for three million dollars. <laughs> That's that good original stink that everyone wants for three million dollars. Yep, I guess that. <laughs> oh, it smells. I gotta like have the original stink. Um, the original Tin Man was hospitalized after a makeup disaster. One night during the rehearsal period, Buddy Ebsen woke up in bed, according to the South Florida Sun Sentinel, quote, screaming from violent cramping in his hands, arms, and legs. When he had difficulty breathing, his wife called an ambulance and rushed him to the hospital. He reigned in an oxygen tent for two weeks, recovering from the pure aluminum he had ingested into his lungs. Oh my god. End quote. From his days in makeup as a tin man. I didn't even know there's another actor who played Tin Man. I didn't oh know they God. <laughs> Back to the Future. And he got so he got so fucked up that they brought in a different guy. So they did the Rather, same method on somebody else? Like they just painted him with aluminum? Well, we'll we'll get to that. Rather than being sympathetic to the severe reaction, the studio is furious. Quote, they told me to get <laughs> get the hell back to work, Ebsen said. When the studio uh, was told that Ebsen, whose skin had turned blue during this Jesus. reaction, could not immediately return, production replaced him with Jack Haley. They, uh, though the aluminum makeup was changed, it still caused Haley a serious eye infection. Oh my God. Uh, in lesser makeup horror stories, actor Ray Bol- Bolger, who played the Scarecrow, removed the rubber prosthetic mask from his face the last day of filming to discover he had burlap scars around his mouth and chin. Um, at least he was finally free from the mask, which, quote, wasn't porous, so you couldn't sweat. You couldn't breathe through your skin. We felt like we were suffocating. Jesus. Meanwhile, Margaret Hamilton's sister alerted her about a month and a half before filming ended that she looked, quote, odd. So odd. Uh, when she looked in the mirror, the actor realizes that her friend was right. Her Wicked Witch of the West makeup had, quote, sunk into my skin. It was had been months before my face was really normal again. Oh my God. So, like, they did... The <laughs> fact that in the 30s, like, 1939, they were like... Hey, we've been doing makeup for hundreds of years. Can we still fuck it up? Let's just keep fucking it up. Like, <laughs> you would it's, think it's, that they would know more than this. It's like a cruel trick to, like, play on your actors that by playing their roles, they have to, like, be injured in a be way in that, yeah. that, that makes them sort of like their characters in physical appearance. Like, broke it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the burlap scars on the scare, like, on the scarecrow. That's, that's horrifying. Yeah. This is also just like a, I feel like a piece of just like wanted cruelty. Sadly for the actors playing the Tin Man, Scarecrow, and Cowardly Lion, they were also banned from eating lunch inside the MGM cafeteria because the sight of them eating in their makeup was deemed too disgusting. Oh my God, you people. You put them in it. (laughs) It's also just a man eating a sandwich, like as a lion, and people are like, my word. Like, like I've never seen a lion eat like that. That's terrible. Uh, this next one is something I knew, and I I had thought you, I would have thought that you would have known, but there's a scene where there's snow. Um, that's asbestos. What? Straight up asbestos. That's in what the they used be- for. Oh my god! Oh. In the days before computer generated effects, film crews had to rely on practical tricks to simulate snow. In the scene in which Dorothy is awakened in a poppy field by a blanket of snow, engineered by Glinda the Good Witch, production reportedly used. Um, crystal, chrysotile asbestos. 
um, they literally just douse the main characters in carcin- carcinogens. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> Don't it's worry, insane. Toots. It's what we use for cigarette filters. It's just fine. But don't worry. This was also used in 1930s uh, <laughs> in holiday decorations. So it was normal for the time. And people wonder why people are so fucked up <laughs> nowadays. God. Uh, and I think this is the last fact. The Wicked Witch of the West caught on fire. What? While fim- <laughs> what? <laughs> While filming the scene in which the witch disappears in a flash of smoke, the effects crew started their fire before ac- actor Margaret Hamilton had enough time to safely exit the stage. According to Harmetz's book, uh, the flames caught on her broom and hat, quote, scalding her chin, the bridge of her nose, her right cheek, and the right side of her forehead. The eyelashes and eyebrows on her right eye had been burned off. Her upper lip and oh eyelid were badly burned. So, and they have like a gif of the thing, and it's just like a big red smoke. Like, I, I think I remember that. Like, yeah, it's a big smoke ball. But it, like, she got very burned from this. Jesus. When she looked down, her skin had been burned off her hand. Incapacitated, what? a friend had to pick her up from the movie studio. Quote, that was always amazing to me that the studio didn't send me home in a limousine, the actor later recalled. Like, even as just a point of, like, being human. Yeah. Like, she got hurt. Like, hey, we should maybe, like, take care of her. They're like, send her to the hospital. When can you be back? Like, literally, they, incredibly, the studio called Hamilton the next day, wondering when she would return to set. Jesus. Oh, my God. (laughs) These working conditions are crazy. Yeah. It took her six weeks to recover. But even then, the nerves in her hand were still so exposed that she had to wear green gloves rather than makeup. She considered suing, but opted against it, quote, for this very simple reason that I wanted to work again. My, uh, my and then her stunt double also had caught on fire. <laughs> so that he, was he did also, the same thing twice to do different people. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton, a single mother, refused to take part in the stunt, but her double acquiesced um, and promptly caught fire herself after flames also caught on the broom. Quote. I felt as though my scalp was coming off. Betty Danko recalled after spending 11 days in the hospital. What? I I guess that's because my black my hat and my black wig were torn loose. Well, last dub- time it didn't work. Let's just do it again exactly the same. And this is the perfect stinger for the end of the thing. The devil was reportedly paid $35 for her day's work. Oh my God! Movies. Anyway, <laughs> remember when movies were movies? Classics. Classics. Remember when pe- everything was great back in the day? There was no problems. There was no regulations. Everyone could do whatever the fuck they wanted, Before and they just burned and killed for came money. in and made rules around safety. These woke people not wanting others to be caught on fire. I can't believe them. <laughs> But anyway, that was just some, uh, I knew some of these things. I knew about the asbestos snow because that was like a famous kind of like IMDb trivia thing. But I did not know that like everybody was like, the makeup sucked. Like mm-hmm. straight up, it was just like bad for you. And everyone's catching on fire, I guess. But anyway, right. hopefully nobody catches on fire in your next segment. I sure hope not. That would be quite the scene. Quite the scene. <laughs> yeah. It will be quite the scene. Qu- quite the scene. All right. I've got for you a Wikipedia historian entitled Operation Bernard. Bernard? Bernard. Bern- Bernhard, maybe. I don't know. It's spelled with an H. Bernhard. Oh, okay. I I was going to say that the name Bernard has been ruined because of Westworld for me. 
Bernard. There's a character I in that. I remember that. Yeah, Bernard. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a poll. That's a that's like a very actually a kind of a niche poll. I don't think I don't hear a lot of Is Westworld. Re- I don't hear a lot of Westworld references. It was big and then it they, went away. They literally pulled it off of HBO. Wow. They it's not on because I tried to watch it and they were just like nope because I think they're having like a feud or didn't want to pay royalties or something oh, shitty. Anyway. Well. All right. Wikipedia historian goes like this. At a meeting on the 18th September of 1939, Ar- Arthur Neeb, the head of the... Here we go. We're going to try this one. Mm-hmm. Reichskriminalapolizeamt. Okay. this <laughs> I'm going to say Europe? European. The, 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 the term at the beginning, Reich, should probably tip you off. The uh, yeah. Central Criminal Investigation Department of the Nazi Germany put forward a Great. proposal to use known counterfeiters to forge British paper currency. The forged notes amounting to 30 billion would be dropped over Britain, causing the financial a financial collapse and the loss of its world currency status. Oh my god. <laughs> this was their oh plan. My this god. was the plan. <laughs> okay. Okay, what year was this in? This has to be like 1939. 1939. 1939? Beginning, like beginning of the war. Beginning of the war. Really? This yeah. is not, because like I've listened to podcasts about uh, Hitler's like drug habits and stuff, mm-hmm. and he like went off the deep end. He was not, I don't think he was on that much stuff at that point. Like, because he had like wild shit at the end where yeah. he was just like, <laughs> we're going to win. We're still going to pull it out. Like that seems like a later thing, but they're just like, what if we just kind of. Do the old drop a bunch of money and run. And drop the money, <laughs> drop the cash and run away. Neeb's superior officer, Reinhard Heydrich, liked the plan, but it was unsure of using the police files to find the available individuals. Joseph, I like that that's the complaint here. I don't know about using uh, surveillance evidence to um, find your, uh, you know, your purple for this. I don't know. I That's where I object to this plan as a Nazi. Yes. You know what? I This seems very dumb. I don't like that you're trying to use intelligence. I have a very good dousing rod right here. <laughs> and I have somebody who will do tarot cards on the ready that they could say, tell us if death is coming at this war. <laughs> Joseph Goebbels, the Reich Minister of Propaganda, described it as einen grotesken plan, a grotesque plan, although he saw it had potential. <laughs> that's the most true like nazi thing i've ever heard <laughs> by the way i love uh his name's goebbels but it, goebbels. it's just, goebbels. goebbels yeah it's goebbels because go- goebbels is uh goebbels. his soul was <laughs> sacrificed <laughs> so we could get the thanksgiving themed roller coaster ah, that people is. could ride on but uh <laughs> yeah the, but the, this seems terrifying and awful, but do you know what? Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it could work. Could work for us. <laughs> Just kind of do it and see if it's cool. The main objection from the, to the plan came from Walther Funk, the, the Reich Minister of Economic Affairs, who said it would breach international law. Ultimately, Hitler gave the final <laughs> propo- approval for the operation to proceed. On receipt of Hitler's go-ahead, Heydrich opened a counterfeiting unit under the operational title operation andreas heydrich's order to set up the unit unit stated that this is not to be a forgery or counterfeiting in the usual sense but authorized facsimile production the notes must be such (laughs) a perfect copy of the original that even the most experienced bake note experts cannot tell the difference in early 1940 the unit was set up in berlin within the technical department of the s the ss basically yeah. Uh, headed by Alfred Naujux, a major in the paramilitary SS. Uh, I, the, the fact that they're like, 
All right, none of this funny business. I see, I'm looking at you, Hans. I saw one of your reproductions that had the queen showing her tukis. Don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> That's wrong. I I also love the like weird cognitive dif- dissonance that sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see in history of the Nazis, yeah. where they're just like. No, no, no! That's not by the rules. Like it's right. the the very efficient <laughs> yeah, German, yeah. and but then they're also like, but also let's just kill a bunch of people. Like they right. <laughs> like they'll do where they're like, That's why are you giving a shit about international? That. Like yeah. you're you're doing the Holocaust. I think yeah. at this point in history. You're, so what past. the fuck? Daily operational control fell under the auspices of Naujok's technical director, Albert Langer, a mathematician and codebreaker. The pair broke mm. down the task into three stages, producing identical paper, preparing identical printing plates to the British notes, and duplicating the British serial numbering system. By late 1940, basically like a year and a half later, Naujok's yeah. had been removed from his position after he fell out of favor with Heydrich. The counterfeiting unit continued under Langer before he left in early 1942, at which point it closed down. He later stated that over 18 months, the unit had produced around 3 million pounds in forged notes. Uh, The historian Anthony Pyrie puts the figure at about half a million pounds. Most of the currency Mm. produced in Operation Andreas was never used. So over the course of three years, their goal was 30 billion and they Mm -hmm. got to half a million. So they didn't do very well. They no, kinda they, didn't do, <laughs> they, they didn't do set so their well. Eyes. They they were going for gold, and they they're, didn't even uh, qualify. Yeah, their eyes are too big for their stomach, and yeah. they were like, "You want us to print how much money?" I also the plane. I feel like he's shoddy from the beginning because <laughs> you if think? you you drop the money and the, uh-huh. but then they would know, like the UK government would be like, "Okay, we're just gonna not produce money." There, there was or, like, also they would work around it. There was also a section that I, immediately. that I cut out of here where. It was supposed to be this super secret plan, and the British and Americans oh, they immediately they found out, it out, and we're like, yeah. okay, we're just going to add like a little metal band, and it was like, problem solved, we're done. Like, <laughs> just yeah. like solved the problem before it even happened. That that somebody they how many dudes like they <laughs> worked for years on this, like at how least... much funding towards that. Yeah, but the plan wasn't over in 1942. Following changes to the aim of the plan, uh, Heinrich Himmler revived the operation. Whereas the original plan was to bring about the collapse of the British economy through dropping the notes over the UK, Himmler's new intention was to use the counterfeit money to finance German intelligence operations. Basically, Germany was broke by 1940. Like, they're becoming broke, and so they needed money. The security services under Himmler's control were poorly funded, and the counterfeit funds were used to cover the financial shortfalls in revenue from the Reichsbank. SS Major Mm. Bernard Kruger replaced Naujux, who replaced Naujux, was ordered to use the Jewish prisoners incarcerated at the Nazi concentration camps and set his unit in blocks 18 and 19 at Sachsenhausen, which is mm-hmm. presumably a internment camp. Yeah. The blocks were isolated from the rest of the camp by additional barbed wire fences and the SS Totken... I can't do this. It was a separate... You know, it's assigned a separate unit of guards. Kruger <laughs> visited several other concentration camps to assemble the people he needed, primarily selecting those in skills with... Cra- with skills in draftsmanship, engraving, printing, and banking. In September 1942, the first 26 prisoners for Operation Bernard arrived in uh, the camp, and 80 more arrived in December. Hmm. Several of the prisoners selected later reported that Kruger had interviewed them for the role and treated them with politeness and good manners. He also provided the prisoners with cigarettes, newspapers, extra rations, and a radio. Prisoners had a ping-pong table, and they would play with the guards and amongst themselves. (laughs) 
Evenings of amateur theatricals also took place, staged by the prisoners, with a mix of audience with a mixed audience of guards and counterfeiters. Kruger provided music mu uh, musicians for the musical numbers, so he like kind of set them up here. So we're getting like capital investment for our startup, <laughs> yeah. but you know what? We're very kind of indie and down to earth. We've got a ping pong table. We yeah, we're music. kind of doing this blockchain thing, like <laughs> yeah, crypto scene. You know, I my dad was in the tech business. He was an, actually he doesn't know technology. He was a businessman, but you know, you know, I think we could figure it out. Yeah, the printing equipment was delivered in December, and twelve thousand sheets of banknote paper a month began to arrive from another place. It was large enough for four mm -hmm. notes to be printed on each sheet. Production of counterfeit notes started in January 1943, and it took a year for production to return to the levels achieved by Operation Andreas. Each section of the process was overseen by one of the prisoners, and the day-to-day -day operations were run by Oscar Stein, a member, a former office manager and bookkeeper. Two 12-hour shifts ensured nonstop production, with around 140 prisoners working. To age the notes, between 40 and 50 prisoners stood in two columns and passed the notes among them to accumulate dirt, sweat, and general wear and tear. Some of the prisoners would fold and refold the notes. Others would pin the corners to replicate how, bank, how a bank clerk would collect bundles of notes. British names and addresses were written on the reverse, as happened with some English notes, and numbers were written on the front, duplicating how a bank teller would mark a value of a bundle. So they're, like, doing a lot of work here. You know, it's... This it's is... It's it's kind of crazy. They're just like throwing people at a problem. It's, it's kind of wild. It's I can't say that I like. I'm not going to say that this is the same or that I can relate to being an internment camp for sure. Don't but, yeah. Don't suggest that even at all. Actually, <laughs> but I have had jobs that you could tell what you're doing is bullshit and uh -huh. very stupid. And I wonder if these guys also were like, you think it's gonna do what? Like you're gonna okay, we got a pat like the, I it's I guess it's better than being just like shot, but it like doing this pointless task, but you it's so stupid. It's such a such a stupid so like I, I will say that this money was passable enough that they actually were using it to pay people off. Like this this really this plan was working. Like oh. they they were doing this. Yes. So they were paying people with British pounds they were as paying, like, like a cover? They were like laundering it and then paying like other governments for like intelligence and like spy operations and stuff like that like this money was actually being spent hmm, but it's not in like in german currency because like i wonder no. if any other com countries ever done this because it seems like because the u.s currency right now is kind of the world's currency right now that we're off i the think the idea standard, was but. they didn't want to devalue their own currency by like flooding the market with more currency so they yeah they they know about that from right. world war one right <laughs> after world war one but so it goes on. The Nazi authorities were so pleased with the results of the operation that 12 prisoners, three of whom were Jewish, were awarded war merit medals, while six of the oh guards received God. the war merit, merit cross second class. They were you, over the moon with the results. Could you imagine being at that ceremony, being the person like because it's awkward from both sides. There's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not comfortable for either because it's like. Hey, so this is you guys are giving. I don't want this. This is like, this is bad. Actually, probably, this is me working for the bad guys and them saying you did a good bad job. Like, I, I know how much we we don't like pizza parties as a reward. I would have taken the pizza party. <laughs> like, you know what? If I was starving, yes. If I, I would have taken the pizza party. Uh, in May 1944, oh. Ernst Kaltenbrunner, an SS uh, general, 
uh-huh. ordered that the counterfeiting unit begin to produce U.S. dollars. The prisoners uh-huh. realized that if they managed to fully counterfeit the dollars, their lives would no longer be safeguarded by the work they were undertaking. Because basically, once they had both currencies in production, they'd be like, well, we have it. We're good. Yeah, we, we don't have need the, you. We have the plates. We can just print them. Right. Uh, so they slowed their progress as much as they could. The journalist Lawrence Malkin, who wrote a history of Operation Bernard, writes that the prisoners considered this to have been have uh, considered this to have the tacit approval of Kruger, who would face frontline duty if Operation Bernard ended. So the guy who was their general and like gathered the team, you know, he would have made to go actually ha- he would have had to go see combat if this succeeded. So he was like, mm. yeah, slow it down. I don't want to go see combat. This, this is, a, I'm listening to a podcast about the Manhattan Project, and they yeah. kind of go into the, because the Germans were also, America thought that Germany was way advanced with their program, but right. Heisenberg, who is the, like, main scientist there, like, hit a wall, like, in right. 1941 or something, and that, like, didn't progress. And this seems to be a constant problem within the bureaucracy of Nazism, because they're like, if I stick out too much, they kill me. Like, right. <laughs> I don't make progress. Like, there's a weird it's like, kind it's of It's a weird thing if, if you do too good of a job, you become redundant, right? Yeah. And, and, and you it, know what happens if you become redundant. Like It's an institutional problem. when It's literally, like, the problem with, like, villains in James Bond that, like, everyone makes fun of, of like, you kill your own employees, then they're going to just stop, like, doing good. Like, they're going to start right. doing whatever, but not doing a good job. So, like, six months later, between late February and early March 1945, with the advance of the Allied armies, all production of notes at the camp ceased. The equipment and supplies were packed and transported with the prisoners to the Mauthengusen concentration camp in Austria, arriving on the 12th of March. Shortly afterwards, Kruger arranged for a further transfer to a series of tunnels where they were uh, (laughs) ordered to restart production. The order to resume production was soon rescinded, and the prisoners were uh, ordered to destroy the cases of money they had with them. That which was not burnt by the prisoners was loaded into trucks, and the printing equipment sunk uh, to the bottom of the Toplitz and Grunsley lakes. Presumably because the Allies were, like, nipping at their heels, and they didn't want them to figure out what they were doing. Mm -hmm. At the start of May, Operation Bernard was officially closed down, and the prisoners were transported from the caves to the nearby Ebensee concentration camp. They were divided into three groups, and a truck was to make trips to and from the camp. An order had been issued that the prisoners were to be killed, but only once they were all together at Ebensee. The truck delivered the first two groups to the camp, where the men were housed separately from the general camp population. On the Mm. third journey, the vehicle broke down after it picked up the final group of prisoners, and the men in the last group were marched to the camp, which took an additional two days. As the order had specified that the prisoners were to be killed together, the first two groups were kept safe to await their comrades. Because of the delay, the third journey, and the close proximity of the advancing army, on the 5th of May, the first two groups were released from their isolation into general population, and the SS guards fled. That afternoon, that same afternoon, the third group arrived into the camp. When the guards learned what had happened to the first two groups, they also released their prisoners into the main prison population and fled themselves. The Americans arrived the following day and liberated the camp. Woo! The guys oh, got away after least, all that. That's a Isn't good, that insane okay. timing? That's timing? a good That's ending. nuts. Yeah. That's absolutely nuts that that's a true that's, story. That's one of those things that it's like, if anything had gone different, yeah. they'd all be dead. The, the, the march, oh. the two-day march that they had to do saved all of them insane that's and am I, oh that's that yeah that's one of those history things <laughs> it's yeah. like good for them that was that's great so the estimates of the number and value of the notes printed during operation bernard vary from a total of about 
130 million to somewhere up to some estimates are up to 300 million pounds um mm. which in in money from that time period so actually a lot like and they used mm -hmm. a lot of this money like i said for you know uh espionage and and buying information and stuff like that interesting that they were like sink into the body of the ocean because it's once it's in circulation i guess it would be once you know it's there i guess you would know that the money is like wait that's a bad that we don't have that serial i think or somewhere. i think that um the Nazis at that point were in full panic mode and were just trying oh, yeah. to like cover their asses as much as they could, even though but there it's was, so, was like, the, it's so uh, funny that they're like, take this big machine, put it into the middle of this big lake. But also, uh, Auschwitz, I don't know, just run away, yeah, like, right? <laughs> burn some things, run away. Like they hid the wrong things if they're like right. they took too much effort but that's the nazi way once again taking too much effort on things that are stupid right so anyways let's project bernard uh thought it was kind of an interesting story and i mean it, has a, it's, it doesn't have a bummer ending which i do like i i like that too yeah it's one of the few world war one <laughs> stories other yeah, world, than i guess right. the entirety of world war or world war two i should say yeah uh world i guess world war two in a way ends in a good way with the bad guys yeah but it's still a tragedy along way. the way it's, it's not yeah great. it's not good but you know what it's also a tragedy your next segment my next segment theo i feel like you and i have discussed this on the podcast too that sometimes we find treasure troves mm -hmm. of good content mm -hmm. um everyone knows about WikiHow, right mm-hmm uh everybody the, knows the about good, good old good old website that tells you how to do anything step-by-step -step mm -hmm. guides i found some <laughs> wiki how articles that are uh strange silly and these Dude, are probably the least goofy but they are still they're funny. the least goofy okay we're yeah. going for we're going for serious we're going Get, low yeah i'm putting on my putting on my learning learning mindset my growth <laughs> attitude my growth mindset here i'm gonna learn how to do some stuff here with you in this segment before we get to the actual how-to that I'm going to to do, I would like to just read the title of this how-to. Mm -hmm. How to Die with Dignity. <laughs> this and is it, Wikio. I'm going to get... I, gotta, I can't believe I didn't know this until now. You know, it's like... What <laughs> but, was I but here's doing? the thing. I was... Because you hear that and you go like... You imagine like dying on the back battlefields, the only way to die. The captain like, goes you know, down on his ship. But then it goes like real and it gets really sad. And it's like you have a terminal illness. And this is how oh, no. to like your option. Like it was it's about that. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. Okay. <laughs> but the title by itself is funny. Um the actual article I wanted to go over, and we'll just do a few bullet points of this, is how to talk to someone who's dying. Huh. Okay. That's actually, to, this seems like it could be actually potentially useful. Hmm. Talking to someone who is dying is never easy. The most important thing is to offer your love and your presence instead of worrying about how to fill the silence or how to say the most perfect thing. Though spending time with someone who is dying is emotionally difficult and overwhelming, talking to that person may not be as hard as it, uh, it may even give, it might, it might, as hard as you think, and it may even give you both time for honesty, joy, and shared love. Hmm. Step one. Knowing what to say. One, I'm going to kind of do the bullet points. And if you think that <laughs> we should stop, I'm going to let you go. Hold on. All right. Number one, be honest while being kind. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, Grandma. You, 
I did not love your porridge. I was not into it. You see, well, we we get into that a little bit later, which is one of my, the funniest. Bit. But I like that. This is like I've heard and smelled that you just farted, but I don't mind because that's I love my honest, you. That's my truth. I'm being honest with you, but I'm being nice with you. I'm being honest. I never thought highly that you of your music career. I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get but it. You know what? <laughs> I think. <laughs> That's for you to do, and you're following your dreams, and I love that for you. I thought that your protest, Save the Squirrels, was a little redundant. There are a lot of <laughs> squirrels out there. I think we're good. Listen, I have an entire list of quibbles about your life, but I decided <laughs> not to share them with you. Number two, ask how you can help. And I this I don't know how. I, I, it is like getting snacks, making a call, but I also feel like this is... A, a strange like it could, <laughs> what ask how you could help is like you know who did this to me didn't you don't you and it's like well, i didn't know that this was done to you i worked for the russian embassy for many years i worked for the kgb and now they've put plutonium in me and now i need to get revenge and i need you to help <laughs> that's what i imagine it was that damn batman who pushed me into the vat of acid mm. i swear that guy Hey, can I ask you for a quick favor? Can you kill the Batman? Can you kill the Batman? He put me in the hospital. He said, "He said I'm not going to kill you. And I said, please, it hurts. <laughs> and he just wouldn't oh. do it. He wouldn't do it. He no, that's against my code. I don't have any skin. I'm you just going to drown you in medical debt till the day you die. <laughs> oh, God. This is... The U.S. medical system, I don't even know anything about that. I have Wayne Corp Healthcare. Uh, number three, encourage them to talk if they want to. They might start talking about an old memory or may have a story or uh, idea to share. Which uh, And you should encourage them to talk even as it's a subject matter is painful or serious. Mm -hmm. I, did, I, I killed him. I killed him. I did it. Go on. Do go on. I'm not going to stop on. you there. I Ooh, thought, tell I, me about it. I thought you, oh, I, but you, it is a painful memory. You kids never listened. I thought you were going to stop me, you see. That's why I, I told said it. Them, I told you so many times, everybody, that I killed. This is, uh, with WikiHow articles, they have images. And mm -hmm. this is my favorite one because um, it's... Is you could kind of describe it for everybody because I've just sent it to you. <laughs> it's a woman chastising another woman for looking sad. Yeah, the <laughs> and then there's a red X through it. Like, don't do this. <laughs> this is above number four. Don't bring up hurtful topics. Oh, it, <laughs> the, the I love this because it's it is a woman who's like crying, and then the expression on the other woman's face is her being like, and then in 12th grade, you <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, these are all the specific ways you fucked me up as a child. She looks so condescending and like, I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> it's a great picture. I, I uh, was told I, to be honest. Yeah. this I like this because, <laughs> because it's so obvious to me where you're just like, I know you're dying, but, uh, Gotta say, I gotta didn't say like something. at Aunt March's uh, at her the Labor Day party. You said you didn't like my potato salad, and then I called you a bitch, and then you called me a bitch, and I said a bitch for making good potato salad. <laughs> and I was, I'm mad at you. I'm still mad at you for that. 
But anyway, have we're fun still dying. All mad. We're like, all mad. But, <laughs> oh, also, you've been ugly your entire life. Like, <laughs> oh my god! I, imagine being like even having that of just like, ooh, I know they're dying, but I gotta get some things off my chest. That's been really bugging <laughs> me, really and I don't care. In my gears. I even if it's hurtful. Uh, number five, take the conversational cues from the other person. If they're just like. Hey, can you stop? <laughs> I'm kind of, like the the ER nurses are coming in and like defibrillating them, and they're just like. So I was saying to Mar- <laughs> to Margaret that I I don't know about getting a house. They're like, <gasps> <laughs> sir, can you get out of here, please? please, sir? Oh, I should take the conversational cues. Number six, keep talking even if there's no answer. Which I'm gonna say that's. I don't know. Maybe that, wasn't that going directly against the, the? Wasn't that really against like the don't feel awkward about filling the awkward silence wasn't that one of the bullet points that this is directly Mm. contradicting and number seven this is the most confusing because Mm. it's a how-to article of knowing what to say and they say in number seven know what to say if the person is hallucinating oh 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 if your loved one is reaching the very end they may suffer from a hallucination due to medication or disorientation if this is the case there are two things you can do if the person is seeing something unpleasant and is afraid or pained by it, you can gently try to coax that person into reality by saying it's not really there. Luke, it's okay. The Dagobob cave, it's just a cave. It doesn't have actual Vader <laughs> in it. He doesn't have your face. It can't hurt you. Oh, but he, I sliced up it. He did have my face. But if the person seeing something pleasant and seems happy about the vision, then <laughs> I there's see, no- <laughs> I see a wonderful place where I get to eat cotton candy all the time. That's not really oh. there. No, Grandma. No, you're oh. in this. You're in the hospital, Grandma. No, you're not there. I see a grandfather. Oh, was he at the pearly grates? No, he's going down on me. No, gross. oh, <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> uh, just let the person be comforted. And I don't, you know what? I think that might be like the right advice, but it is also weird advice. Part two, knowing what to do. What are you going to do? Number one, don't feel pressured to say the perfect thing. I but just, but do remember to just keep talking if they're, you know, just, just keep talking. Hey, listen, Pobody's nerfed. Shit. Shit. Oh, that wasn't, <laughs> I said it wrong. And also it's a weird thing to say to somebody <laughs> dying. Yeah, that's really weird. I, oh. I shouldn't have said that. Can I take that back actually? <laughs> oh, oh. Number two, listen. So you don't just keep on talking at them. Although oh. you do. If although you do. Dead. If, although <laughs> if they've you already do, passed. And you have to know. talk them through their hallucination too. This is another uh, image that I really love because uh, it, and you can please describe. <laughs> it's a woman. <laughs> talking to another this woman is lying in bed clearly sick and there's another woman who just looks like she's shouting at her like, yeah and it's like, <laughs> you stupid on the, idiot how yeah, could she, you do this she's doing like a hand chopping yeah. karate chop kind of motion and the woman's face in the bed who's sick is like no. are you really doing this shit right now right it's now. like oh, are on. you fucking kidding me right now number three stay present you gotta stay in the moment don't ever let your mind wander keep your mm-hmm. eye on the ball number four try to hold back tears sometimes only sometimes though you get a oh, hmm. squeeze a single one out so they know you care but not huh. too much that they that <laughs> not too big. much you gotta remain in the moment but also yeah, you can, bottle your feelings number five remember that actions can speak louder than words you know what grandma 
Oh. Just, just for you, I'm going to go eat some porridge. But good porridge, not your crappy porridge, all right? Oh, Davy, you you come to visit me. That's great. What? Oh, you even brought me a pillow from home. That's wonderful. What? What are you doing with the pillow? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Actions mean more than words. Uh, and then knowing what to avoid this is also important. One, don't wait until the last minute. Oh, wait, where was that $5 you owed me? Was it, it. Is it under your pillow? Is it like the tooth fairy? Gotcha. Number two, remember to say I love you. I have no jokes about that. That's real. That's a good no <laughs> piece jokes. of advice. Jokes are out the window. Number three, share just how much that person means to you. Also jokes real. out the window. Also, I've got <laughs> this is another this is another picture that I really like. This is for don't offer false assurances. <laughs> I guess it's a guy <laughs> giving a thumbs up to a man who's miserable in a hospital bed, and then a sign that's like "Don't do this." X yeah, it's the, the circle with the X the through it, where it's like "Don't it's do like, that," but the guy's like, up, like, "Yeah, you got this." It looks like he's doing the thumbs up to the other guy of like, "We're doing a scam." <laughs> But the other guy has like fallen in love like, or got cancer somehow. He's like, good, oh, you good news. <laughs> After the operation, your penis is definitely still there. Thumbs up, my guy. But for don't offer false assurances and just give it a thumbs up. <laughs> You're okay, buddy. And he's just like, I don't fucking think <laughs> so, dude. <laughs> like, I, I think I'm going to be dying. Number five, let them know happy news. Don't keep that. Don't be like, oh, yeah, we got we had a baby and stuff. I didn't want to worry with it. Though. I didn't want to like, rub but that's it in great. your face. <laughs> Number six, avoid platitudes. And I'm going to say that's uh, for everybody. But I do like uh, <laughs> their examples. Try not to say something like, it's all in God's plan. Or mm. everything is meant to happen for a reason. Mm. Because Unless the person is deeply religious or uses these words <laughs> themselves, this kind of talk can be a bit frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, it if, can you, even, if you've never discussed religion with your family, start whipping things out like yeah, get, everything get, happens for go it's hardcore, the big yeah. Listen, the big J man's got it covered for us, all right? It could even make it sound like the person deserved to die and to suffer for some reason, <laughs> oh, no. and there's no sense in fighting it or <laughs> oh, no. feeling angry. Instead, focus on being in the present with the person instead of reasoning why the person might be dying. What great advice. Oh, my God. Uh, number seven. Stay away from giving advice. Oh. Hey, you know what you should have done? Not been in the nuclear reactor when it was melting down. They're like, I it was my job. <laughs> I told you not to do a snowmobile jump off of the nu- off into the nuclear reactor. I told you it was a bad idea. But what do you do? You don't listen to me. My advice? Eat kale. That'll fix you right up. I don't <laughs> think so. Tell the doctors, inject kale. Yeah. Uh, and then number eight, don't force the person to speak, because sometimes you just got to keep speaking even though they're not speaking. I'm trying to listen, and you're not speaking. Yeah. But you know what? We're speaking to you now, the audience, and saying this is the end of the podcast, That's baby. That's That's the end of the article. That we're end of segments. We got no more, except for one more at the end. But first, I want to say thank you. <laughs> I'm saying it in a weird way, a fun sing-song way. Remember to send any segments to segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. Hit up our X. Doc- no, I'm not going to say that. Our Honestly, YouTube is if you have anything City. to say to us, 
Do it over your say, email. Say it to us, uh, to her face. Say it to my face, coward. You're going to give us a good review or what? what? Come on. Give us five stars. Come on, baby. Give us those five-star reviews. We love seeing them. And we also love somebody in particular in a platonic way who did the music, that the intro music. That would be Rachel Robinson. She does our intro music. And she has music you can find all over the globe. And some people say that she's full of kale. All right. All over the globe, you say. All over it's, the globe. You could be anywhere kind of, on this globe. You could be listening to Rachel Robinson's music. It's so, like there's, the end so of, frankly, there's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse. It's like the end of Jumanji when they throw it into a river and then it ends up in the sands of like Costa Rica. Her, but it's CDs. You know what? <laughs> Her CDs. You know what? It's just like that, Will. It's, it's exactly, exactly like that. Like Even that. it has the like boom, 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 and it sucks you in, uh-huh. <laughs> but in a, a not a literal way, like in Jumanji. But you know what else um, sucks you in? Our final segment. I got this you, one. Well, you can sit back. You cannot. And relax. You can't because I also have. A, I was poisoned. We All both right. have. I was poisoned. You go and then I go. Okay, this is from Zombie Applejacks. That's the one <laughs> I was gonna do. Oh, <laughs> from Sam's Club. Incredible. North Millican Avenue, Ontario, Canada. I got sick. Wait, I should probably do this in a, a Canadian a Canadian accent. Oh, Canadian I, zombie accent. I got sick after a Canadian zombie accent? Yeah. Oh, I got sick after eating the, <laughs> <laughs> after eating the zombie apple jacks. I got hungry while me and my wife were watching TV. So I decided to eat a bowl of this cereal we just bought. It, it was two in one big box. I poured a bowl and started eating it halfway through the bowl. I started feeling congested. <laughs> the The milk was green, and so was so was my mucus. <laughs> Go to Instant- lie. <laughs> Instantly, my nose got stuffy, and bam! Two days later, I'm still sick, and now my <laughs> wife is sick, and she didn't even take a bite. I would, re- <laughs> I would recommend not purchasing our feeding this to your family because they know what's going on. It's in the name of <laughs> Zombie Applejack. <laughs> I like that. I was eating it and bam, two days later, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife got sick and she didn't even she didn't take a bite. A bite. <laughs> I told her to, but I also like the symptoms are other and congestion. <laughs> so is my mucus. It's green. It's so it's they have a video. I and multiple pictures of the zombie Applejacks to say, don't get this. This is bad. Oh. <laughs> Well, you know it's not bad, our podcast, but it is over. And you better come yeah. back next time. Or yeah. I'm sending a Canadian gonna... zombie after you. <laughs> They're too polite to bite you, though. No, I guess that's not much of a threat. <laughs> oh, 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 what a good joke. High five. High five. Okay. <laughs>